Welcome to Antioch Raleigh's weekly online sermon. We hope that you are encouraged by this word. For more information on Antioch Raleigh or access to our other online sermons, visit us at AntiochRaleigh.com. I want to introduce uh, really someone who doesn't need an introduction, but uh, most of you know her more as our worship pastor. Um, Elizabeth Jackson is also one of our elders, and I... I am so excited to hear the word that the Lord's put on her heart for this church. Elizabeth, come on up and let's give her a warm welcome. You got it? Okay. Well, this is a little awkward. This is comfortable, this is not, so bear with me. Uh, like Steve said, thank you, Steve. I'm Elizabeth Jackson and. Next month will mark four years being able to serve in the worship pastor capacity at this church. We've been at Antioch for about nine years now, and it has truly just been an incredible journey of growing deeper in the Lord and in relationship with people that we have never experienced in our lives before. So thank you, Steve. Um, so yeah, what, I, I saw a couple of kids struggling this morning, and I wanted, I had a feeling that might happen. So I have a picture that I wanted to share with you some I pulled out of our archives. Andrew, if you want to pull it up. So this was like 20 years ago. <laughs> About five weeks in, you can see, you know, really just the joy set before us. <laughs> and then that little guy who was actually leading worship this morning now, so hey, it can happen. He was plotting his next move of how he was going to choose which two-hour intervals to wake us up for the next week. I mean, the amount of terror on my face, because every time I got in front of people, he would just start crying, and it happened, but this is like about the best picture that we got. I just want to encourage you parents, it's not always going to look like that. <laughs> Man, it has been a blessing. I also love, too, how like the grandparents in the back, they're kind of like, yeah, here it comes. <laughs> anyway, you can pull that down, enough of that. Um, but yeah, so we have three amazing sons, and we were blessed with a daughter back in December. So now we have a daughter, too, uh, through marriage. And so, yeah, all in all, um, yeah, just wanted to share a little bit this morning about our journey kind of from the ground up. And before we do that, kids, are you, can you hear my voice? I have a job for you to do today. So Miss Nikki gave you some sheets with some activities on it. If you complete those sheets at the end of service, that little treasure chest up there with all of the stones on it, there's a prize in there for each of you. The sheet that has the words on it, if you listen to what I share this morning and circle a word every time you hear me say it, and bring that to me and show me at the end, and if you did an activity or colored a picture, bring it to me, and I would love to give you a treat for paying attention and respecting our time this morning. Does that sound like a good idea? Yeah? Awesome. All right, here we go. So we don't have time to read through Exodus 35 through 40 this morning, but I would say that this passage was sort of my launching pad for the narrative that I'm going to share today. For me, I didn't really grasp the application of this assignment until marriage. The title of my message is Building an Atmosphere that Attracts the Presence of God. 
In Exodus, the physical process of Moses building the tabernacle has great spiritual application in how we should go about the building process of the temples within our hearts so that wherever we go, we carry and establish the presence of God in that place. Amen? Also in this passage, you will find several great keys. Honoring the Sabbath and prioritizing rest in the Lord was a key. And it came at the beginning of chapter 35, before the assignment even began. I think that's really important. Another key was the cost, the, the giving that they gave free will was costly. They gave it out of the desire of their heart. That was the key. And ultimately, their obedience to finish the work that the Lord had directed Moses to do was another key that drew the presence of God to come and abide there. Now we know that there had to have been some sort of unity and maturity present in order for that tabernacle to be completed, right? There was no way that that building could have been completed without the aid of the Spirit and surrender to an assignment larger than themselves. So in light of everything we committed ourselves to today, along with these precious families that dedicated their children, I wanted to share our personal journey of building from the ground up that I hope will bless, inspire, and maybe even challenge you in your journeys wherever you are in that process. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, I just thank you for the work that you have done in my life, Lord. I thank you for the work that you have begun, and I trust that not only for myself, Lord, but for everyone in this room today, you are faithful to complete the work that you have begun. Lord, I ask that in and through every word that I share, every testimony that I give utterance to and every passage that we explore, God, I just ask in Jesus' name that that would invade every heart Lord, that you would speak specifically and uniquely to everyone here today and that they would walk away changed. They would walk away with revelation and wisdom to apply to their own lives, Father, and that you would be glorified in and through it all. In Jesus' name, amen. So when we got married, we brought two distinct atmospheres into our home. Some elements were complementary and even the same, but there were other elements that were either toxic, or at least we felt like they were toxic based upon our personal experiences. Our untethered passions fueled our creative plans much more than the foundation of holiness and unity from our Father. There was some healthy and unhealthy spaces in our agreement and our disagreement in the atmosphere that we were building, but we were missing the goal by a long shot, unity and maturity. We needed to view our assignment to build from the perspective of a loving servant rather than a territory to be one. We both had lots of ideas and opinions in our heads of what an attractive home environment might, could, or even should look like, but the fact of the matter is that we didn't possess the heart knowledge to judge whether those ideals were in agreement with the truth of God at any given moment. So we kept living out of our passion more than anything else, and we failed a lot. So after doing things a little bit God's way and a lot of our own way, we finally found a key that would help us build the sort of atmosphere where the presence of God could dwell, a place he was attracted to. 
And that key was to search our hearts, grieve our failures, and make the decision to become deeper people. Our spiritual and emotional maturity levels will set limits on the quality and the expressiveness of the atmospheres that we are endeavoring to build. So we did some specific things that helped expose our faulty motives, make space to repent and really mourn those poor decisions, and then to continue moving on toward the maturity and the unity levels that God offers to all of us. One of the first things that we chose to do was to live a simpler life. We endeavored to resist a FOMO mentality in our early years, which was pretty easy to do because nobody really wanted to hang out with us anyway, being in the condition that we were in. <clears throat> we were quite a mess, only we didn't really know it at the time. We were divinely uprooted from many of our existing relationships and communities due to various reasons that we didn't understand at the moment, but it was a tremendous tool of hiddenness and obscurity that the Lord used to help us rearrange our lives according to, God, according to God's desire for us to put down a deeper root system that could bear the future storms that nearly toppled us in our first years. Now, although everyone's seasons of hiddenness tend to look a little bit different at various points in their lives, the bottom line is that we all need space and time to lean into the things that the Lord is bringing up rather than stuffing them down or brushing them aside because we're too busy or life is just too full. Our future atmospheres rest on the choices that we make today. This day led up to a series of calculated decisions, right? We set our alarms this morning. We made sure we had, what, $100, $150 of gas in the tank before we came here. <clears throat> Maybe we brought our roommates, made sure that our kids got in the car and got here okay. So we know that nothing generative or generational is ever an isolated event. Another practical choice that we made was to purposely develop better appetites. I can remember many Saturdays when Brad would lock himself in our closet and just pray and memorize lengthy passages of Scripture. We didn't even realize that our kids remembered or even noticed that these choices were being made back then until we overheard them joking one day about Dad talking gibberish in the closet <laughs> and laughing and trying to mimic the language that they heard. <clears throat> It ended up being a great opportunity to talk about the gift of tongues, but that's another story for another day. <laughs> and just as an aside to that, in those days, I was personally more irritated that he wasn't helping me with kid duty rather than being humbled and convicted by his decision to put first things first. It just took me longer to value how Brad was serving our assignment. But when I saw how much he began to change, just the grace and the favor of God that began to rest upon him, it became an easier choice to prioritize my personal development also. Where is God prompting you to simplify your life and develop a different kind of hunger that will strengthen your grounding in him? Instead of spending time with what little we had on things that would distract us from our development, stuff, entertainment, excessive extracurricular activities with the kids, or even excessive activities and hobbies with ourselves, we kept things really simple. And we used our disposable time 
to worship as a family, read the Bible together, and discuss it. Seek out discipleship and mentorship opportunities for both ourselves and our kids. We read books, went to conferences, served, volunteered, all of which were mostly places where our kids could join us too. And they caught a lot in those places. While we were learning, they were learning. In the early stages, I know, it's easy to get discouraged by limited resources like time and money. And that was definitely a place that we were in for quite a bit of time. But what we learned is that our limited resources actually stirred a hunger that propelled us toward our creativity and our depth. We ultimately learned that the most creative and valuable resource that we already had at our disposal was love. I want to take a moment and define that word just a little bit before moving on. Our culture every day, we are bombarded by a false love, by an illusion of what, live, of what love is, and it is not from the Lord. I invite you to either read along or you can close your eyes and just soak in this truth because it is powerful. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements, nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect, nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. When I was a child, I spoke about childish manners, for I saw things like a child, and I reasoned like a child. But the day came when I matured, and I set aside my childish ways. So above all else, let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. So after we did some soul-searching, repented of our less-than-noble pursuits in building the atmospheres we wanted, and also investing ourselves in becoming more deeply rooted in the Lord, we began to notice that there were certain areas where, quite frankly, we felt really limited. It left us, left us feeling embarrassed, ashamed, and pretty fearful. So the next decision that our Father led us to was to accept our limits, grieve them, and get help. I cannot emphasize enough how important it is to go through the grieving process in terms of discovering your limits. It is a loss. It might have been an illusion to you, but it was believed to have existed as a reality. By the same token, it also served to wickedly crowd and choke out the greater graces and gifts in your life, and therefore put a cap on them, a big one. It takes time to come to terms with your new reality, so we chose personally to lean on the Father and other people through this process. Psalms 127 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For he gives to his beloved sleep. 
while we are indeed called to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. This can be an area that we tend to spend too much time practically killing ourselves to try to be everything. A beautiful exchange happens when we begin to understand that we actually build in our weaknesses too. They are nothing to be ashamed of or afraid of. When I was referring earlier in the Exodus passage, part of the building process was people brought what they had. Everyone had a fraction to complete the whole. And that's just really important for us to understand. We can't be everything. We need people in our lives. Paul had some of his own weaknesses to deal with, right? And he actually begged the Lord to remove those thorns in his flesh. But what did the Lord say in response? And we actually sang about this this morning. My grace is always more than enough for you. And my power finds its fullest expression through your weakness. Of course, after that encouraging word, Paul decides, I'm going to celebrate my weaknesses. For when I'm weak, I can sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me. I spent years trying to escape the weaknesses in my life, trying to overcompensate and cover them up with perfectionism and a host of other things. But in God's great mercy, he used my declining health at the time and the help of mentors as a way to expose my need to accept and grieve my limitations and then to truly live a life without limits. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Not only is God's strength demonstrated in our weaknesses such a beautiful way to receive and sense his power more deeply, but we also get to experience meaningful relationships with other people as we solicit support and wisdom and help along the way. What kind of help do you need right now? Who is the Lord prompting you to process and grieve your limits with? Whatever your case may be, looking to God and others helped us tremendously and continues to help us as we overcome the limitations that we could never conquer alone. I want us to take a look at Matthew 25, the parable of the talents. Again, heaven's kingdom is like a wealthy man who went on a long journey and summoned all his trusted servants and assigned his financial management over to them. Before he left on his journey, he entrusted a bag of 5,000 gold coins to one of his servants, to another a bag of 2,000 gold coins and to the third, a bag of 1,000 gold coins, each according to his ability to manage. The one entrusted with 5,000 gold coins immediately went out and traded with the money, and he doubled his investment. In the same way, the one who was entrusted with 2,000 gold coins traded with the sum and likewise doubled his investment. But the one who had been entrusted with 1,000 gold coins dug a hole in the ground and buried his master's money. After much time had passed, the master returned to settle accounts with his servants. The one who was entrusted with 5,000 gold coins came and brought 10,000, saying, See, I have doubled your money. Commending his servant, the master replied, You have done well and proven yourself to be my loyal and trustworthy servant. 
Because you have been a faithful steward to manage a small sum, now you will be in charge of much, much more. You will experience the delight of your master who will say to you, enter into the joy of the Lord. Then the one who had been entrusted with 2,000 gold coins came in and said, see my master, I have doubled what you have entrusted to me. Commending his servant, the master replied, you have done well and proven yourself to be my loyal and trustworthy servant. Because you were faithful to manage a small sum, now I will put you in charge of much, much more. You will experience the delight of your master who will say to you, enter into the joy of your Lord. Then the one who had been entrusted with 1,000 gold coins came to his master and said, Look, sir, I know you're a hard man to please, and you're a shrewd and ruthless businessman who grows rich on the backs of others. I was afraid of you, so I went and hid your money and buried it in the ground. But here it is. Take it. It's yours. But his master said to him, You are an untrustworthy and lazy servant. If you knew I was a shrewd businessman who always makes a profit, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? Then I would have at least received it all back with interest when I returned. But because you were unfaithful, I will take the 1,000 gold coins and give them to the one who has 10,000. For the one who has will be given more until he overflows with abundance. And the one with hardly anything, even what little he has, will be taken from him. There is a lot in this passage, but I really just wanted to draw your attention to the fact that these three servants clearly came from a wide range of backgrounds, available resources, accommodations, different gifts, different talents, obviously. But in verse 16, he says he gave accordingly to each servant what was his ability to manage, right? There's a big trap that the enemy will lay before you on your journey, if he hasn't done it already, that everyone else has something that you don't that you are at a disadvantage. From the master's perspective, in verse 21, 23, and 26, he considered all of the sums small. Wherever you are, whatever you've been given to work with, growth is what pleases the master, not the amount. Whatever you bring to the table, we need others to complete the whole. Building an atmosphere in your home or your workplace, your school, in your neighborhood, in your family, in your relationships, it takes time. It involves us taking active steps toward our growth, our healing, and ultimately the development of the atmospheres we are truly longing for. There will inevitably be offerings that the Lord will invite us to make that won't always make sense. They won't always be offerings that we initially want to sacrifice. They won't always be in fashion, and they won't always be in season by the world's terms. But like I mentioned earlier, anything generative and generational is viewed in decades and centuries and millennia. Our daily, weekly, and even seasonal decisions are building something. So what are you building? Do you want to build something that the presence of God is drawn to live in? You know, I mentioned earlier that Brad and I had a wrong view of our assignment in the early days of our building. We weren't fighting the right fight. 
the fight was a fight of faith. So the place of understanding that the Lord led us to, the place of understanding we all need is this. The unity and maturity required to fulfill the assignment can only be achieved from the perspective of a loving servant, not a combative warrior trying to win a territory. My prayer today is that we would all grow in the Father's definition of love and develop the heart knowledge that our mission is to serve the assignment first, and in return, the assignment will serve us for our good and the glory of God for generations. That's the beauty of it. We obey, and he comes. We surrender to the work, and he comes. We offer all that we have, and he comes, just like he came in Exodus 40. So Moses finished the work. The cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and the fire was in it at night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. We are responsible for the obedience to the building plan. And he is responsible for fulfilling his promise to us to come and aid and manifest himself in our midst to lead us and guide us every step of the way. Worship team, if you want to come up. As we close out today, I want to take a few moments for us to consider some questions. Where is the Lord prompting you to develop a deeper root system? What is one small step that you can take today to develop a right view of your assignment and then begin building an atmosphere that the manifest presence of God can't resist? Maybe it's a course correction. Maybe you just got off the assignment somewhere along the way. No matter what, we invite you to come and to receive ministry and take whatever step of faith that the Lord is leading you to in this moment. If you guys want to stand up, elders, life group leaders, and come to the front, I'm just going to pray. We're going to go into worship, and I just encourage you, Listen to the Lord. He has something to say this morning. Father, we just thank you that you are always speaking. We thank you that you love to lead, you love to guide. We thank you that all you ask us to do is just to obey your word. And you come, you come, you provide the increase, you build the house. You craft the environment with your presence and with your power. It's all you. You just ask us to bring whatever it is that we have. It doesn't matter. It's all small. It's all little. It's all incomplete apart from you. God, I just ask that you would stir our hearts to begin to develop a deeper value for bringing other people into our lives, Jesus. To confess our limitations to get the help that we need, Lord. You have hands and feet too, God. You come in the spirit and you come with hands and feet and you complete the work. 
You are all in all. Lord, I thank you for your extravagant love, your extravagant kindness that is so gentle with us along the way to lead us to the places of repentance, to lead us to the places of self-awareness so that we can grieve our faults and our failures, we can come to grips with our lack, and we can lean on you and move on. We can lean on others and move on. Help us to be faithful servants that say, enter into my joy, enter into my joy. Well done, well done. You took this small sum and you gave it to me in faith so I could breathe on it and multiply it. Well done, well done. Lord, I just ask anybody here that is just gripped with a spirit of fear, a spirit of shame, it is not too late. Today is the day of reconciliation. Today is the day to get back on the right track. Today is the day of salvation. I didn't even realize it until I got married. I didn't even begin that journey of trying to build a habitation until I was in my 20s, not purposefully. Lord, it's never too late. It's never too late. Father, we just love you, we thank you. We just surrender it all to you. Ask your love, the love of the Father to come, to wipe every tear and to restore every heart. In Jesus' name, amen.